Hi, I'm Jenny Lee Hodgins. Welcome to Your Creative Chord Podcast. If you're new to YCC, here you'll get empowering strategies for nurturing creativity and spiritual wellness. Could you use some help learning the art of prioritization and focus to achieve your goals? Get Team YCC's free checklist on how to prioritize for best results when you join Team YCC at yourcreativecord.com forward slash sign up here. That's yourcreativecord, C-H-O-R-D, yourcreativecord.com forward slash sign up hyphen here. Today's episode features composer Tracy Callahan. Tracy Callahan and I met each other as co-admins of a Facebook group called Women's Composers Collective. As I have a love for composing and listening to musical theater songs and studied voice and piano in my college days, I was excited to find that Tracy is also a composer and actress-singer of musical theater works. Learning about her musical journey, I found we have more in common. I spent many years performing as a vocalist pianist from Kentucky to Florida to Japan, while Tracy spent her college days performing as a busker on the streets of Portland, in local bars and coffee shops, and as a member of the Maine Songwriters Association. But in addition to Tracy's original musical called Better Than Fine, currently in rehearsal, her musical background has forayed beyond musical theater into creating video game scores and sound design. She began writing as a child in Dexter, Maine, where fellow students in the treble choir and jazz combo performed her original music. She studied opera and classical voice at the University of Maine while continuing to compose. While composing her original musical, she was asked to write music for a video game. Since she's an avid gamer and enjoys working with, quote, the stories, emotions, and wild unpredictability that infuses the video game world, end quote, Tracy has since been composing video game music and branched out into sound design and creating effects. She now balances composing her original game music, sound design, effects, and musical theater works while performing as an actress-singer in local and regional theater productions. She approaches music composing through pairing stories and music, whether it be folk songs, musical theater, or video game audio. Through our chat, I found we have a lot more in common, so let's dive in to explore all that and more. What do you think your strengths are as a creator? of the questions that I was thinking about before today, probably the hardest one to answer because you're inside of your own creating. So you don't necessarily know. Right. <laughs> it kind of boils down to emotional honesty. Mm. There's nothing that I have written for any venue, whether it's games or musicals or as a songwriter that wasn't honest, whether it's just a mood setting or Uh, lyrics or anything. Sometimes it's honesty covered in a whole bunch of glitter so that you might not necessarily know what's actually there, but it's there. Right. The whole point of doing this in any way that is outside of my own room is to communicate emotion and also to foster the communication of emotion. Like, helping people feel and feel visibly or audibly Mm -hmm. and communicate that to each other. Mm -hmm. Yes. I I really like that. And that, that resonates with me because I feel that the, 
for me, the real purpose of being an artist is exactly that, is expressing emotion or your thoughts and helping others to do so. Because some people can't, you know, unless they're seeing your show or listening to your music or watching dance or seeing a piece of art. A lot of people don't know how to tap that. And fortunately, artists are in that zone. We're we're deeply, you know, connected to that thing. In most aspects of my life, I will go, I really need to cry. And I've needed to cry for six months and I haven't been able to do it. I'm mm. going to go read Little Women. That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know the tool to use. And I like what you said. The whole point of getting this, meaning creativity, out there is to foster the communication of emotion. That's going to be my new bumper sticker. Give an example of how you created one of your musical pieces. Pick a song from your musical and take us through a little minute or two minute snapshot scenario of how you approached that lyric, storyline, musical idea to create that song. Robot Wolves was written on my bicycle. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It is one of the rare ones where most of the lyrics actually also got written on the bicycle. I'm on the way home from work. The sun is bright in the sky. And I know I want to write a song about uh, Cora and how her boyfriend has not called her back. And there's always some kind of a seed, some kind of phrase or a musical catch or something that I'm like, okay, that can be a song. So this one was, uh, he hasn't called yet, whatever. Okay. And it's the opening line to the song, but it also has a very distinct rhythm. So he hasn't called yet whatever. And you say it kind of in a very specific rhythmical way. So I'm I'm on the bicycle going, he hasn't called yet, whatever. He hasn't called yet, whatever, whatever, whatever. (laughs) Over and over again until I get happy with it. So by the time I got home, I think I had the first verse. Threw that into notation software. The next day on the way home was like, okay, verse two, let's go. Um, So I think four or five days of riding home from work, this song. So that all goes into the the notation software. When I come back to it later, the the melody is still very strong in my head and I have a recording of it. And I go, okay, I, I know the instruments that the show has. Let's put a beat behind this. Let's give it some rhythm. Let's give it some drums. Let's, okay, let's decide on the chords and the bass line. So it's one instrumental part at a time fills in the gaps song and then song done basically you come up with your your main melodic idea you solidify the lyrics you go and notate it so you don't forget it and then you go back in and flesh it out and add the instrumentation well first the chords and then and then all of that instruments yeah i find a lot of instrumental music in white noise. If I'm listening to a fan or a washing machine, the hum of my computer, sometimes I'll start to hear like the overtones or something. Mm-hmm. And something in that noise kind of gets in me. A few weeks ago, uh, I was doing um, the 21 days of video game music challenge, a minimum of four measures of two to four measures of music every day for 21 days. I take them as 21 song sketches. I woke up one morning and the washing machine was going and I, somebody had sneakers in the washing machine and I was listening to like this very repetitive thumping that mm-hmm. sort of... The rhythm. As I'm waking up, the rhythm is, is very kind of catchy. It was like... 
It's like, oh, okay, well, that's going to be the string ostinato underneath whatever sketch I do today. <laughs> you took that 21-day of vis- video games challenge, which was really to write two to four measures a day, but you created them as song sketches. Were they two to four measures of an idea to make a song, or did you try to create a whole song sketch as in verse, chorus, verse every single day? As you know, I work in a school for my yeah. day job. Yeah. And school's not in session right now. So I had a lot of time. So my minimum was about 16 measures of music, usually okay. just enough to do a verse or, right. you know, right. a, a really strong column response kind of melodic idea. There were a couple of days where I was just very, very busy. And I was able to sketch out like a melody and a bass line for that much and was like, I'm done. Here you go. That's amazing, um, though. Every single day you did that. That's really yeah. great. Yeah. It's, re- it's a really good practice. I wish that it was something that I was able to keep up when I wasn't on vacation because you don't know the sheer number of ideas that you have right. that aren't quite good enough to catch your attention, Right. what could be if you actually did something with them. So I, I now have 21 <clears throat> ideas that I can be like, oh, okay, let's, let's, that one's kind of awful. Let me put that in a drawer. And next year, I'll hear it again, and I'll hear something that will make it better. You were just describing how white noise of everyday sounds like washing machines and computer noise, the overtones sometimes, the rhythm of things sparked the ideas. But was that purely for instrumental music, or it just sparked an idea that you used in songs as well? The instrumental music versus vocal music is is a very different process. Vocal music is almost always inspired by uh, the rhythm of words. Okay. And instrumental music is usually from some weird something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Beethoven <laughs> yeah. walking in the out in nature and coming up with a pastoral symphony just by mm-hmm. the you know listening to the sound. Interesting too, because I, I don't know if you've kept up, but on my blog and a, a recent podcast, I talked to a guy who teaches creative thinking locally at the University of Kentucky. His name is Ryan Hargrove, and if you haven't heard that or read that, I recommend go look at it. But for everybody listening. He takes his students to visit a lot of creative professionals. And one of the things that he really kind of summarized for me is that really successfully creative people, they are constantly looking for new ideas and new ways to spark the idea or the the process of creativity. And he also said that they put themselves in place as a discipline to be there ready for the muse to hit them. Mm -hmm. And what you were just describing, that 21 days challenge, you know, wishing that you could do it more frequently. We all have our own rhythm and things, but I, I, the thing that I really got a lot out of from what he was saying was that, and it's what you just did, what you just exemplified, is that as a creator, if you put yourself in a place to be ready for creative ideas to come, the muse to come, and you do that on your bike, you do that by listening to white noise or whatever, then if, you, if you're if you putting yourself in that place and allowing yourself to be open to that creativity, it will catch you more frequently. And even though you, this is switching back to what you were saying, even though you may write a lot of musical ideas and you may feel at the moment that, ah, that's not a good one, I'm going to throw that away, mm-hmm. you hang on to that because, like he was saying also, that when you create this bank of experiences and this bank of ideas that you know that have you've generated through those inspiring moments of catching that muse mm. having that kind of library of creative snippets in your whatever in your notation software or in your mm-hmm. file or in your brain locked away that allows you 
a much better opportunity to expand and embrace and become even more creative as you continue. So I find that interesting that you are very in sync as a creative person with the ideas of, you know, what is being taught, you know, creative thinking and the whole process that's being taught in a university classroom for people to learn how to become more creative as part of that whole curriculum speaks to what your process already is. So you're one of those people. (laughs) Do you have resources other than the gear that you've mentioned that you regularly use as a creator? I write a lot. And um, pencil paper or on the computer or on the computer, I, okay. I I wish I spent less time on my computer than I do. I type faster than I write. A lot of the time, like we've said before, sometimes an idea has to get out, right. and it's not going to get out musically. But sometimes, and this also kind of ties into what you were just saying, an idea has to get out, and it is actually a musical idea. Mm-hmm. But in order to understand it myself before mm-hmm. I cr- make it happen... I have, there's like non-musical stuff in the way. Have you ever been in a conversation where you're trying to explain something and you know exactly what point you're trying to make, but you have had to say it five different ways Mm -hmm. in order to understand it yourself Mm -hmm. well enough to synthesize it for somebody else? That's like teaching for me. Anytime I taught, I had to completely change it depending (laughs) on who was learning it, you know? And as you do that, you actually start to see things from different angles as well. Yes. Uh, So for me, a lot of the time before I sit down and write a piece of music, I'll write a page long story that might just be like a scene setting or a moment that's happening in my head and describe it and kind of get into it with with text before Mm -hmm. trying to describe it musically. That makes sense. Yeah. So writing a lot and reading a lot. What kind of things do you read? I read a lot of fantasy novels, like okay. uh, Tolkien and, and that genre. Yeah. I read a lot of books about the way people think. Okay. Not necessarily like psychology textbooks, because I think that that would go right over my head. Yeah. But a lot of personal development yeah. and a lot of stories that are kind of also, they fit in that same genre. I read a lot of books about runners, of training philosophies and things like that. Right. Weirdly enough, I find that it correlates very well to creating I agree with that. I read a lot of personal development myself, and I write a lot of that. And I read mm-hmm. and listen to I read a, lo- a lot of your personal development. <laughs> Shout out to me, yourcreativecord.com. But also, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts from you know on success mindset and entrepreneurial spirit, because I find a lot of entrepreneurs think very much like creative people and vice versa. So reading and writing, and I like the way that you discussed how sometimes a musical idea before you can get that out, you need to write to clarify for yourself in a different way. You use writing to get to the point of your creative process to then musically create. We talked earlier about how being a woman inf- has influenced your process with your composer process in regard to the musical theater world and how you really wanted to have more opportunity for women to be cast and that's why you've written this musical for two women specifically that delves into their polar opposite journeys do you feel that being a woman has disadvantages in regard to creative opportunities i do but i don't i have never personally had a roadblock where i thought that somebody was either not hiring me or not taking me seriously or not giving me credit based on being a woman that's wonderful however 
A, I know it happens because right. I have, you know, spoken right. with enough other women who are in this field right. who have had it happen. And B, there are personality traits that I have that are pretty <laughs> woman specific that I know do get in my way. Like what? Um, Can you give me an example? I had a, a great conversation with um, one of the developers I work with about applying for jobs. And I, this is actually, I think, the first real thing I put in the Women Composers Collective group was this article about how sometimes men get jobs that they're not qualified for because they're willing to say, yep, I can learn that. Yeah, okay. Whereas women <laughs> tend to make sure that they already know I read that article. Yeah. Very good article. Yeah. And it is very, very me. <laughs> me, meaning um, what? Let me just clarify if I remember the article really struck me that what I, if it's the same one I'm thinking of, it was a woman CEO talking about how she had seen many women and men applying for jobs and not applying for jobs. And the men would apply when they were maybe 40 or 50% really capable of that job with complete confidence that they could handle it. Mm -hmm. And then they'd get the job and realize, holy moly, I'm not, I don't know how to do that. But then they would work their way to figuring it out and get there. Mm -hmm. And the women that interviewed sometimes wouldn't even interview for the job until they felt that they were 100% or 95% capable. Or 120%. Or, or yeah, yeah, more like 210% ready. Yeah. <laughs> and that women were, she found that women were more apt to hold themselves back from even applying for that job until they felt their level or standard was way up, you know, way high like we were just saying, percentage-wise. Is that the article you're referring to? Yes. And I can really relate to that myself. I really sense that I do that myself. But how do you feel that, how are you relating yourself to that? When I think about working in game audio and music, especially, this it, it more applies to that for me than to the musical theater side of things because right. Right. musical theater is something I've been immersed in for a long time. But... The game audio stuff is newer. It's a lot more technical. There's a lot more things to know. I would love to work full-time as a composer or a sound designer. It's a dream I didn't know I had until I started doing it. Interesting. And then I went, oh my God, this is exactly what I need to be doing. <laughs> We've talked about all of the software and all the coding. And when I see a job, I immediately look at the requirements and I start counting off how many of them I don't have. Mm. Now... Uh, Wise, the middleware I talked about earlier, is a really good example. I'm currently doing their class to understand the software. It's a requirement on a lot of jobs. If I actually sat down and just did the class, I could probably do it in about two days. Mm -hmm. However, I keep going, oh, I don't know enough yet. Oh, I'm not ready yet. Well, maybe I have to learn this first. And mm -hmm. what about getting better at this thing over here? And you put so many barriers in front of yourself. Whereas when I'm in the middle of working on a game, for example, and they say to me, hey, we really need sound effects. And I've never made sound effects before. For some reason, in the heat of the moment, which mm -hmm. is like those guys who get those jobs and go, oh, no, I can't do that. But I'll have to figure it out. Right, right. I'm figuring it out. I'm like, well, we need a creaky door. I have a creaky door. Let me record the creaky door. <laughs> but when you're working on the game, what you're saying is that you just... If you, there's something needed, you just dive in and figure it out because you're already connected to those people personally. You feel a little less threatened by the requirements maybe in that situation. But when you're looking at job 
posts, you hold yourself back based on the technical and the production type things. Hold yourself back from it thinking that you're not 98% ready to go there because you haven't learned it yet. Exactly. It take a lot to learn. Exactly. And yet when you're digging yourself into it, and you're learning it, you know, it would take a couple of days if you had the time to just sit there and knock that one course out. And you know that through working with the game developers, when they need something, you know, okay, if that's necessary, I'm going to find a way to do it. And you find a way to do it. So I think it speaks to that mental block that is kind of articulated in your article that you posted in Women's Composer Collective, that women doubt themselves and their abilities and hold themselves back from an opportunity as a result of that kind of mindset versus I'm pretty sure most men that I've met in the composer world, I'm just going to say they don't give a crap whether they're, (laughs) whether they're capable or not. They want to do it. They're going to do it. No offense to men out there because I think it's just interesting a phenomenon to see that. Definitely no offense. I I wish I was more like that. Exactly. And it's, when I read that article, I had the same kind of reaction. The person who sent it to me was trying to convince me to apply for jobs. Wonderful. Wow. It's like, you're really good at this. You should apply for these. And I'm like, but I don't know all of these things. And he went, hold up. You're a woman. Hold on. And he sent me the article. (laughs) I exactly experienced this with I'm building this online business called Your Creative Court. And I'm, I'm, I'm a blogger and podcast host. And that's a big chunk of it that I do a lot of content and delving into this creativity and spiritual wellness stuff, but I'm also writing books and I'm creating courses to do that. And I had no idea. This is brand new to me. I left a music teaching position to come up here to be a caregiver for my mother and to start doing what I want to do, write and compose. I consider myself a creator. So this is a great opportunity, but I never knew how much was involved with the software that you have to learn just to do all of that stuff. And I really, really relate to this whole idea of Everything has to be perfect before I put it out there. And I'm learning to tell myself, just put it out there. And I think a lot of women are like that. We we are so self-critical that we don't even see how amazing and capable we are already. So my new motto is done is better than perfect. Just get it out there and don't let that hold you back. So going back to the question, do you feel that being a woman has disadvantages in regard to creative opportunities? It's almost that... We don't have, I mean, there is a whole block of that conversation where society itself has placed blocks on women, mm-hmm. but a lot of those blocks are placed by or on ourselves is what I'm yes. getting at. Yeah. Would you agree with yes. that in, in terms of where you're coming from? Absolutely. Yes. So I, I know that sexism happens. I know right. that sometimes women have a hard time getting involved in conversations <laughs> and being heard. I haven't personally right. experienced that, but I Fortunate. have experienced getting in my own way a lot. Right. That's a whole another topic <laughs> that I'd like to delve into another time that, you know, I really feel that society has trained my mind that way. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't just come up with that by myself, but why are, why are so many women questioning themselves? I don't think about it, you know, this question, is a woman at a disadvantage in creative fields? I've had some things like that. But the point is that whether we're aware of it or not, we're already thinking at a disadvantage. And that, mm-hmm. to me, is the issue to address. To like, let's wipe that out. It's not about women versus men. It's about women getting out of their own way. Are there things that you can do or experiences or people or a spiritual thing? Or are there other things that influence your creativity positively that you try to regularly incorporate? 
Now I'm going to give you an answer that sounds like it's not going to be positive, but it is. <laughs> My 20s were hell. I was in a very bad place. I was uh, self-admitted several times for depression, hospitalization, suicide kind of stuff. Wow. I'm very open about that. There were like several <clears throat> years of very, very, very bad in here. Mm -hmm. Lots of mental health struggles, lots of life situation struggle kind of stuff. When I came out of that, and mental health is one of those things, some of those struggles never leave you. Right. But when I was better enough to start focusing on my life and the future and what I wanted to do in the world, which became a very big thing. It was, well, okay, I'm still here. Okay. Now what? I get very uh, soapboxy and spiritual about joy and sorrow mixed together. A lot of what I write tends to be some sort of oddly balanced mix of the world is ending and I'm fine because it became very important to me to put that feeling out there in the world. Mm. This kind of like uh, a lot of creative people have mental mm -hmm. health struggles, mm -hmm. and a lot of my friends have had mental health struggles. And sometimes you need to feel the sadness and hear the hope at the same time. Right. It's a weird-sounding positive influence, but it is because it gave me a reason to do what I'm doing. And oddly enough, the, the games that I'm working on, I can tie them all in there, even though they're things like a haunted school. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's coming from your life. It's coming from your experience. Right. Yeah. It's a very personal experience to put forth this, this combination of feelings that I hold to be very, very important. Because of that, whenever I'm able to do that, it feels really good. And it also, it reinforces itself because mm -hmm. that, that kind of feeling, you know, we all go through awful things sometimes. And if you can kind of allow that awfulness to feel awful, mm -hmm. but still be able to see that there's a tomorrow, then you can go, okay, so eventually I'll be in something else. Something else will happen. It kind of propels you <clears throat> forward. It doesn't sound positive in that it's not like, you know, happy exactly, but it's like having a superpower. I don't know if you know, I practice Buddhism and it really resonates with the whole idea that you use your suffering to create value. And it kind of goes in hand with your new musical coming out. The whole point is everything is okay. It's all okay. The idea that you're able to dive deeply into the darkness. It's the most universal human experience we have is all these deep emotions. And mm -hmm. you're being brave enough to like really dive in there and voice, give voice to that that darkness and that it's not fun to suffer the darkness <laughs> of your mental depression and all that. And a lot of artists, I mean, I just speak for myself and the artists that I know and that I've spoken to, we already tap into such a depth of emotional swings. And like you said, a lot of artists are prone to mental illness issues, but to be able to use that suffering and still allow yourself to feel it without losing sight of the fact that there's a tomorrow there's also just as much joy in life as there is suffering. In Buddhism, suffering and joy are literally two sides of the same coin. And mm. you cannot really truly feel joy if you haven't deeply suffered because you won't recognize it as true joy without this 
experience of going deep into, you know, the darkness of life. And that sounds like what you're doing. You're putting all of that in one form, which comes out through your creative expression. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. It's brave. I like the honesty of it because so many people don't feel that they can express what they're really feeling. But then when they hear that music or that see that piece of art or read that piece of writing or poetry or whatever, mm-hmm. it taps it for them. My question was, what influenced your creativity positively? And suffering does influence your creativity positively. You have turned it into something positive. You've turned it into creativity. You're not just taking your suffering and creating. You're actually creating art that expresses that suffering and the joy and hope at the same time. That's a typical output for you? Yeah, that's pretty much always the underlying goal is to have them both present at the same time because I had heard that before about the two sides of the same coin and Mm -hmm. it's I find it to be very true and if you're holding a coin you might only see one face but you're touching the other one good point what hinders your creative flow time (laughs) I have several jobs I work a lot I often only have an hour or two a day to myself Sometimes uh, I get, I turn into a squirrel. I really want to sit down and write a piece of music. And I happen to have three hours to sit down and write some music and see what happens. But I also, ooh, I haven't worked on my class in a while. Oh, and I should really listen to this show that somebody was telling me about and this podcast and this. There's so much to do and it's all coming at you all at the same time. Mm. It, uh, the hardest thing for me to do is create empty space in which to work. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to do it more often than I used to, which is good, because that way things happen. It requires a lot more effort than the actual act of writing. Mm -hmm. I have an article, actually, that just came out this week. Why you should embrace failure and do only one thing. Yes. I have a freebie giveaway. It's called the Top 10 Things to Help You Reach Your Biggest Goals. And I have another freebie on my website called How to Prioritize for Best Results. My wavelength and the way that I work is very similar to what you're saying in the sense that I am going in 14 million different directions all the time. My mind is and my creative output is as yours is. And so I'm really understanding the importance of training my mind to focus on one thing. And even though there's always going to be those million things that are pulling us in all those different directions, I'm learning the art of choosing. I choose to be here. I choose to be here right now. I choose to look at this one thing and nothing else. And I'm finding that when I'm doing that, that helps my creative flow. Go back and read my blogs, girl. I have been. (laughs) You're a true fan. I love that. But I think it's, even though I've written it and I've got several things on that topic, I have to practice it so much because my mind is much like yours and my creative outbursts are much like yours. And like you, I have a million things on my plate all at once. And everybody does. I can really relate to the squirrel, and I bet a lot of creative people can relate to the idea that you said of how hard it is to create the empty space to work. And I used to be kind of, I have to get the clutter out of the way before I can do something. Mm -hmm. And now I'm understanding, you don't have to work on the clutter, just don't look at it and focus on this one thing. The funny thing is that we, we kind of came to the same place, but from opposite ways, in that I actually one of the things I do to create the space is I give myself 10 minutes. Okay, yeah. yeah. I literally just clean for 10 minutes. I can't work in it if it's a certain level of clutter. To make space for it, yeah. And it's almost a ritual. Right. 
I'm going to clean. I'm going to do these specific five things to ready the space. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. And then I'll sit in it and do my yeah. thing. There was some comedy show I saw. I think it was called American Housewife. The male character was a writer. He was really OCD about stuff and he couldn't write until he went through this whole not that I'm saying that you're OCD and, and ridiculous like this, but he, he, you might be, I don't know. But, but he went through the whole rigmarole where he has to light certain candles, clear off every space. He has to pour a glass of wine and have something. And now that he's done that, then he can sit down and start writing. And the little scene is about how different family members kept interrupting him. So he'd have to start all over again. And by the time he was done, he was drunk because his part of his ritual is drinking a glass of wine. It does make sense, you know, that clutter really impairs their creativity. My mother's the opposite of me. I'm very much OCD neat freak. And like you, I like to have things in its place and out of the way. But my mom, she's got piles of things all over the place that she's constantly going through. And it would drive me absolutely insane. But she thrives with that. She's a painter, an artist, very visual decorator, an amazing cook. And she's always coming up with stuff. And I couldn't think straight with all of that stuff. So I can relate to your the creative process begins with no clutter. <laughs> I enjoyed that, though, getting into seeing how you approach creativity. And it may inspire some people, too. I'd like to ask you to please share anything else about yourself, your profession, or anything related that you feel is relevant to others interested in composing. And also maybe go ahead and tie in what your goals are for your musical future. I'm older. Not old, but I'm older. I'm 40. I started working in video games when I was 38 in an industry where that's pretty old to be a newbie and came at being a composer in a very roundabout way a couple decades after I was in college and didn't study composition in college except as like the like a single course right. kind of thing. And that's okay. Lucia Ball created material for herself. Jane Lynch created material for herself when they were older. They're approaching 40. Mm -hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote In the Heights because there weren't enough opportunities for him as a Latino actor and singer on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Those opportunities are there if you're 20 and you're in school, if you're 20 and didn't go to school, if you're 50, if right. you're 68. Right. If you have... A working mind and a lot of will and a lot of patience. Right. <laughs> it's it, just do it. Just start somewhere and start doing it. And it's kind of, you said, we, we belong to some of the same Facebook groups. And that, mm -hmm. that subject comes up a lot, too. What you know, subject? About being too old to start right. or things like that. And I very firmly believe that you're not. And right. I think I have to believe that because otherwise I'm out of luck. As for what's next, it's funny because a million things are next. There's always something new to learn. I'm said I'm working on that certification course for WISE. I'm still learning how to use a DAW. I just discovered the uh, modulation wheel on a MIDI recorder. <laughs> I didn't know what it did until like Thursday. <laughs> Lots of production stuff to practice. New musical forms to listen to. New gaming technology to get into. There's so much next that it's kind of hard to say what's what the musical future looks like for me, except that it's going to be full of a lot of experimenting, a lot of uh, breaking things in catastrophic <laughs> ways, <laughs> and recovering from that and learning from it. 
and uh, hopefully a lot of games because they're really fun. And uh, it's like I said, it's a dream job. I didn't know it was a dream job until I started doing it. That's so fortunate to, to be able to work on something that you love so much. And I want to mm-hmm. just thank you, first of all, Trace Callahan. I want to go back and say that your attitude is, you know, totally in sync with what I understand to be at the crux of professional creators in that you're always open to learning something new and you're not letting things like people's opinions or age or these really false limitations get in the way. We may have to struggle with it sometimes, but you're not letting it stop you. I think that's really a big takeaway for people that are interested in or that are creators themselves. You're really a wonderful example of a a creator who's inspirational to other people because you're always looking for ways to get something out there. And that is what the world needs. We need more artists like that. I'm going to go to deeper than that and say I really like your take on being creative is not just to be creative, but to express that darkness that we all feel and to know that it's okay that you feel that. And that I think that is one of the things I really like about your art and your creativity is that you're giving people a reason to feel okay about where they are and who they are and and what they're feeling. It's all okay. You're okay, Trace Callahan. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much. And I really look forward to to hearing more about your musical when it comes out. It will not be quiet, I promise. Thank you. Have a wonderful (laughs) afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for joining Your Creative Chord Podcast. I'm Jenny Lee Hodgins. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Share a review to help me grow Team YCC. Leave a comment below this podcast link. Share this with others who may benefit from this info, and thank you so much. You can get more inspiring strategies for exploring creativity and spiritual wellness at yourcreativechord.com. I invite you to join me in Your Creative Chords community by joining Team YCC. You'll be the first to know about my new content, blogs, podcasts, videos, ebooks, and upcoming courses. You'll also get a free PDF checklist on how to prioritize for best results. Just go to yourcreativecord.com forward slash sign up hyphen here. That's yourcreativecord.com forward slash sign up hyphen here. See you next time on Your Creative Cord.